been given a great subject this morning, the supernatural king. Uh, yeah, that's a good one, isn't it? Um, and as I began to think about this, I uh, had this little thought. To God, there is nothing more natural than the supernatural. <laughs> Hallelujah. Is that not right? The nature of our God. Nothing is more natural to God than the supernatural. That's what he is by nature. Super. <laughs> That's the God I came to know all those years ago. Uh, he was so super to me from the very beginning. And he's been super to me ever since. What we think is impossible and miraculous just comes naturally to him. It really does. He just can't help himself. It's the way he is. If he wasn't supernatural, he'd be in self-denial. <laughs> Wouldn't he? And this morning, as I pondered that, I wanted to uh, particularly uh, focus in on uh, the kingdom and uh, in relation to the kingdom, uh, the work of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. He is at work all over the world today and doing uh, some extraordinary things. Uh, and I just want to uh, reiterate again this morning how real he is. He's real and he's powerful. Uh, he is the secret dynamic uh, behind our faith. Uh, it's been said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But where the Holy Spirit is, we are not going to be without faith. He is the one who ignites faith. He is the one who releases faith. He is the one who reveals the purposes and promises of God that faith might be fed. He's God's divine agent. Uh, we used to have a little ministry upon the Pond Park called Love in Action. The Holy Spirit is God in action. And this is an amazing thing. He's God's gift to you and me. That's incredible, isn't it? And nothing is more natural to him than the supernatural. And I'm going to look at a few sayings of Jesus uh, today. And what I want to simply do is introduce us to uh, a new era uh, and a new standard a new realm in which God's rule uh, becomes a reality and is made manifest in the lives of people like you and me. A new coming of kingdom power in, the way it, in a way that had never been seen before. A new experience of God's kingdom by the Spirit. That's my line of thought uh, as we share this time together this morning. And so, a new era and a new standard. And this first little saying of Jesus uh, 
goes to the life and person of John the Baptist. And this is what Jesus himself says. He said, truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, whoever is the least in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, is greater than he. Now, John the Baptist was the watermark for all under the old covenant. Yet the least, we're told, in the kingdom of heaven is, will surpass John the Baptist. Through a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, heaven's agent, who makes it possible uh, for us to encounter God and for others through us to encounter God. He will bring us into a new era of Holy Spirit activity that John didn't know anything about. You look at John the Baptist. He, he didn't actually, as far as we know, do any miracles. Uh, that wasn't what he was about. He, he, he did some great things prophetically, but he wasn't really a miracle worker. He wasn't a Daniel or an Elijah. But the one who knows best, Jesus himself, he says he's the greatest. <laughs> and... Jesus sees things, if you like, from a different perspective. And he sees a potential. And as he sees that potential, he says something absolutely startling. He who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, think about all the patriarchs and the great prophets of the Old Testament and the mighty people that God used and the wonders and the works that they did. And John was the pinnacle in the eyes of Jesus. And he says, the least in the kingdom of God will surpass him. That blows me away. <laughs> He's talking about a kingdom life, a realm of living uh, that was soon to become available to every believer. John prophesied Christ's coming and he confessed his own need of it. This is what he says. After me comes one who is more powerful than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then later on, Jesus comes to John to be baptized himself. Uh, but John tries to deter him. And what does John say to him? He says, I need to be baptized by you. I need your baptism. I need spirit baptism. I need fire. 
John realized, confronted with Jesus, that he had a need that only Jesus could meet. None of the Old Testament prophets, even John, had what was about to be offered to the least of the saints. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, God's gift to mankind, makes a lifestyle available that not even John had accessed. And Jesus is whetting our appetite uh, through his own life example and through the promises that he gives of something that is yet to come. Now, I want to say something a little bit unusual. And I want to say this, that our salvation wasn't God's ultimate purpose. It was his immediate purpose in sending Christ, but he had another purpose beyond it. Imagine I'm playing bowling. I've done a bit of bowling, 10 pin. And uh, when I used to play bowling, I'd look down the lane and I'd see a mark. And I knew the way that I spin a ball, if I could hit that mark, there was a good chance I'd get a strike. Yeah? The mark wasn't the end goal, but if I could hit the mark, there was every possibility of achieving the end goal. And this is the nature of salvation. Yes, Jesus comes and his immediate goal is to save us. But he has got something in mind beyond our salvation. And that ultimate goal is to fill each and every one of us with the Holy Spirit. That's his goal, that we would be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God, the Bible says. And it's that experience of the Holy Spirit that is different from anything anyone had experienced before. It's the reason why the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, John the Baptist, says, I need you. I need your baptism. The one that I announced, but I have not received. I need him. He makes a lifestyle available. And God made, who made the universes, who flung the stars into space, who created galaxies, who we could travel for billions of light, ways, light years to try and get to the end of what is done. And we would not get there. Him who holds all that says to you and me, I want you to know all my fullness. Really, God? Really? Now, I'm only a beginner. I am only a beginner. I'll share this little secret with you. 
I was in a little prayer praise meeting round at Jason and Puntips. It's going back a year or so. And suddenly I was caught up into, in the spirit. And in the spirit, I realized I was in a realm that, was, that felt unusual. But the realm, though it was within me, it took me into something that was so expansive, I could not grasp it. It was beyond me. It was far-reaching. It was glorious. It was powerful. I felt tiny within it. It was a little bit like uh, when Doctor Who went into the TARDIS, you know, it looks much bigger on the inside than it does on the outside. That's the nature of the kingdom of God. That's the nature of the realm of the spirit. And when you enter into it, all sorts of things can open up to you. We know that John the Apostle says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I have this vision and that vision and that vision and that vision. And it was like all of heaven and earth is opened up to him. The past and the future is opened up to him. I often think of that little verse where it says, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. But we can see it by the Spirit. I share these things because I want us to begin to have a sense of the more of God. There is infinitely more for us to enter into. Some of us have had some great experiences. But this morning, I'm wanting us to open up our hearts and open up our minds to, the, to new possibilities, to the expanse of God, to the reality of the kingdom, the realm of the spirit, and to recognize we have just begun. We really have. If we don't believe that, I'm not sure how far we're going to progress as a church. He has got so much more for us to step into as his people. I'd like us just for a minute just to step back into uh, the Old Testament and I'd like to give for you a little picture. And it introduces us to Israel's journey uh, but what I want to do is run parallel with that and illustrate our journey. And I'll keep it fairly simple but it goes like this. Israel left Egypt when the blood of the lamb was applied to the doorposts of their home. And we were set free from a life of sin when the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, was applied to our lives. Then the Israelites went through a body of water. They call it the Red Sea. Some have called it the baptism of Moses. And we too, similarly, were baptized in water after we believed. However, the Jews entered the promised land and went through another river, 
called the Jordan. Another baptism. And there is another baptism for us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. But even that is not the end of the story. Because they went into a new realm. The promised land. Where they fought battles differently. And we also need to enter and take hold of what is ours in the spirit-empowered, supernatural life. The baptism of the spirit is not a departure from sin depicted in leaving Egypt. The baptism takes us into a whole new realm, a new way of being. Israel fought battles in the wilderness and won. But once they entered into the promised land, they fought their battles differently. They walked around a city in silence for days. Then they out a shout and all the walls fall down. <laughs> That's a different way of doing battle. On another occasion, they sent the choir out first. Mm. <laughs> On another occasion, God had three, sorry, 30,000 soldiers go home so that he could fight a battle with just 300 torch-wielding trumpet blowers. It's a different world, a different realm, where God proves that he is able to do more than we ask or imagine. God makes the promised land possible. But let me say this, there is a price to be paid. And throughout my Christian life, uh, whenever God's taken me on another stage, there's always been a cost to count. There's always been something I need to yield to him, something I need to forsake, something I need to lay hold of. And it, it invariably costs something. It's worth it, but there is a price. And he will give the baptism of the Spirit if we have something worth burning. Got something worth burning this morning? Something you want burning up like dross? Something you want igniting with passion. Something you want empowering with the reality of the supernatural God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want to say, is the fulfillment of the Old Testament entering into the promised land. But I want you to think about this. What if I'd have been amongst the children of Israel and I'd gone to the Jordan. And then I thought to myself, well, that's, that's nice enough. There's uh, a nice river here. Uh, maybe I'll just pitch tent and I'll settle here on the edge of the Jordan. Do you think that would have fulfilled the ultimate purpose of God? Some of us 
when we were baptized in the Spirit, we may have received a gift. Uh, for me, um, one of the things that I received was the gift of tongues. But if I just stayed there thinking, well, I've got my happy little prayer language and this is where I'll be content for the rest of my days, would that be where God wanted me to be? <laughs> it isn't, is it? He's so much more for us than that. And Israel had people to dispossess, cities to possess, conquests to be made, a dominion to be established. That was to be their land, promised to them by God, and he would work with them to ensure that they come into the full ownership of it. And we see something of the reality of that in the reign of David and Solomon. Glorious. And we, our ultimate purpose, a lifestyle under Christ's rule, living in the power of the Spirit, depossessing our enemy and possessing the realities of the kingdom of God for the glory of God. Now Jesus is speaking about the coming of God in power. And my next little text says this. It says, Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste of death before, the see, before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Here Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of God coming in power. He has in mind a great event. He's not thinking about his transfiguration, though that is a more immediate context. He's looking beyond that to another great event. He's talking about the coming of the promise of the Father. When he would clothe his people with power from on high, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But we see, not only did the people of God receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, but it seems to me that they continued to receive. So they received in Acts 2, but then in Acts 4, there were some amongst the same group of people who were refilled with the Spirit. And I want to say to some of us who know that you've had a baptism in the Spirit, there's more. There is more. I've never... I've barely gone through a month, let alone a year of my life, without God filling me in some way again. And when I'm talking about him filling me, I'm talking about a manifest reality of God poured into me in such a way that sometimes I've trembled and shaken, sometimes I've been overwhelmed with the love of God shed abroad in my heart, sometimes uh, I've felt a breakage, a bondage to a particular habit or way of doing things and he's set me free. On other occasions, uh, he's given me a fresh zeal and passion for an area of ministry and activity and the energy and wherewithal to do that ministry. I had a similar experience a few years ago before we did healing on the streets. And physically, and in terms of commitment, 
I knew I wasn't going to be in it for a short haul. And the others who joined with me in that knew that also. And we actually ran with it every Saturday pretty much for two years. And I knew in my own strength I couldn't do it. And I didn't possess, uh, as some would say, a particular gift in terms of healing ministry. But I really felt strongly that God was calling me to get out there and to do something among the people that would have an impact. So we set up chairs along the high street and we invited people to sit in those chairs and we prayed that God would come, that they would know his love, that they would know his power, they would know his healing. And we had some amazing times. We didn't see as much as we wanted to see. Not by a long way. But people were added to the church during that time. People we met on the high street ended up coming into the King's Church and being a part of us. Others did receive healing. Others came to faith. I'd have done it for one, but there was a lot more than one. Lives that were touched and changed. But we need to position ourselves in a place where we're saying to God, yes, I want more of your spirit. I want a fresh filling of your power. But I want it not so that just I might be blessed, but that I might be a blessing. That's the motivation. I want to be a blesser. I want to be one who can impart to others that they might live more of the kingdom life. In my life, I have been blessed to see and to read about many outpourings. And I've known places that have really been fountainheads. And people have traveled from all over the world to go there and to receive a fresh touch from God, a fresh filling of his spirit, a fresh impartation. I've known lines of people uh, waiting to receive prayer. I've known crowds gathering at the fronts of meetings, desperate for a fresh filling from the Spirit of God. People looking for an anointed person to lay hands on them and impart some spiritual blessing to them. I want more. I want more. Lord knows, I want more of his outpouring, more of the reality of his spirit poured into my life and into the life of those I love and into those uh, who don't yet know him. I want more. I cannot be content with where I am. I'm 60. No, get out of here. And I am. God's grace, he might give me another 30. Christy's counting on another 40. <laughs> she wants me to be here to look after her, as dads do. I want to see more in this next leg of the journey than I've ever seen before. Not do I just want to see it, I want to be part of it. Lord, please.
It's a wonderful life, a life filled with him in an anointing, in the reality of his love, moving in the reality of his power. Jesus goes on to say this. He says in Matthew 12, 28, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. You might not have seen this before. Just look at this little phrase. By the Spirit, the kingdom. By the Spirit, the kingdom. By the Spirit, the kingdom. The Spirit encompasses the kingdom. He's not the same, but he's inseparable from the workings within the kingdom. He enforces the lordship of Jesus, making his territory a place of liberty. The domain of the supernatural king becomes evident through the Spirit's work. And the second part of this verse uh, reveals the nature of ministry. Anointing ministry is a collision of two worlds. Darkness and light. The nature of deliverance is as simple as this. Kingdom comes, light invades, darkness leaves. <laughs> That's what we want, isn't it? We don't want to be dilly-dallying in some sort of grey area, entertaining a bit of that and a bit of that and thinking that we're still shining. So lovely what Peter brought this morning. We've got to keep our buckets clean if we're going to keep on shining brightly for him. Light turns on, darkness doesn't resist. Light is so superior that it triumphs immediately. I know sometimes we feel a little bit battered and bruised. I'm going to say something a little bit funny now. The Holy Spirit hasn't got any battle wounds. He hasn't got any teeth marks. The enemy has been doing the best he can for 2,000 years to oppose what the Spirit's advancing and the spirit is completely unscathed by him. <laughs> he's as fit as a fiddle. He's, he's completely untouched. He's as strong and able now as he's ever been. The supernatural spirit. Jesus is Lord. Period. And we need to learn to work with the Holy Spirit. Jean's been reading uh, some books that she pinched off my bookshelf. Um, she got to them before I did, to be fair. Um, and I thought, well, she's loving it, so I'll leave them with her. Um, but I've got a series of books uh, by a guy called David Hernandez. He's a young man, relatively, a lot younger than me. I recommend him. He speaks an awful lot. Uh, about friendship with the Holy Spirit. He speaks a lot about walking in the Spirit. 
Uh, he speaks a lot about praying in the Spirit. Uh, he speaks about being the carriers of the Holy Spirit and the difference that, that that can make as we go into different situations and circumstances. He also, in his latest book that's just been released, uh, he talks about uh, how the Holy Spirit is a bondage breaker. Um, it talks in the Old Testament about the Spirit that breaks the yoke, the Holy Spirit. Uh, and... Uh, so I, I just encourage you to have a little look at some of those books, and if you want the titles, uh, I'll fish them out for you later, but I, I've got about four books by him uh, at the moment, and uh, I don't say, sorry, David Hernandez, um, and um, I don't say that he's nailed it on every point, because we're all still learners, but I would say the overwhelming weight of what he's teaching is clear and instructive and very helpful. Uh, so I just put that out there. So we're learning. But the greatest gift that has ever been given is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we need to discover what it is to value him. An absolute treasure. I, do, I can't even imagine where my life would have been without him. Um, but I need to value him more because it's not just who he is, but it's the difference he makes. We do need to value and desire uh, more of the Holy Spirit. He takes us into new realms of intimacy, into a new vitality of relationship with him, into new power in ministry. Dreams become a reality. The incomprehensible becomes possible when he is with us. So I'm drawing to a close and I just want to say, God doesn't have to try to be supernatural. <laughs> he, his kingdom, his spirit is supernatural. He would have to try not to be. And I don't think he's much inclination for that. <laughs> when he comes into our hearts and lives and upon us in his power uh, we begin to walk and witness uh, to his nature his ways and his works he works in us not according to a formula a methodology but according to uh, his own will, he reveals uh, what he desires we should do, and he gives us the ability to do it. The Bible says he works in us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So it's relationally a, a relationship of dependency. I have to lean into him all the time. I love that song where it talk, says, I need him every hour. Every hour I need him. There's not sort of a one-off thing and then that's it. It's a continued walk in which I'm trusting him. The promise of the Father, the one Jesus baptizes with, the spirit of power and fire. He is God's empowering presence. He causes the impossible to be and causes the miraculous to happen. 
When we invite him into a situation, we should be expectant of the supernatural. Shouldn't we? We should be shocked when we don't see it. Not when we do. And so, this morning I want to close with this little question. Do you desire the Holy Spirit? Sounds a silly question, doesn't it? Why am I asking you this after all these years? Search your heart of hearts. I say, do you desire desperately the Holy Spirit to be filled by him, led by him, used by him? Do you desire him pretty much more than anything else? Because we cannot be what God ultimately intended us to be unless we're filled with all his fullness. I'm just a beginner, a learner, but I am chasing after the Holy Spirit and longing for more of him.